Welcome back to the Young Ag Achievers Podcast. I am Lee Benson, currently serving as the Public Information Officer for the Oklahoma Department of Agriculture, Food, and Forestry. And joining me here shortly will be Oklahoma Secretary of Agriculture, Blaine Arthur. Coming up on the show today, Secretary Arthur will be talking to a couple of young women who just so happen to be FFA chapter presidents, Jamison McNeil of Brissot FFA and Kennedy Clark of Minko FFA. Secretary Blaine Arthur is now sliding over to the microphone, so I'll ask her, can you give us a preview of what to expect when you chat with Jamison and Kennedy today? Well, I think we've got uh, two exceptional young ladies here who both have unique experiences uh, from uh, growing up in the ag world and then what they've done uh, through their FFA projects, uh, but also going to talk a little bit about uh, their experience with AFR, American Farmers and Ranchers, which is our farmers union group here um, in Oklahoma. They've got a very strong leadership program, very strong youth focus at AFR, and so we're excited to hear both of them tell us a little bit about that. And we'll get to that here in a moment. But before we get to that interview with Jameson and Kennedy, I do want to toss a question your way. And this is going to be something that can maybe help the listeners get to know you a little bit better. I wanted to see if you could tell us about your first job experiences out of college. Okay, so my first job out of college, uh, and we probably have some ag listeners, so I'll have to provide clarity, was for a company called REI. So it's not like the sports outdoorsy place, but it's also not Reproductive Enterprises Incorporated, um, which is another group, but um, it was Rural Enterprises Incorporated uh, that was headquartered out of Durant, so down in southeastern Oklahoma. Uh, and I did small business lending, traveled kind of everything north of I. 40 here in the state. So had the chance to meet with a lot of lenders, a lot of small business owners. I learned a lot about a lot of things, as I'm sure you can imagine, certainly the financing side of things, but just entrepreneurs and uh, how they were trying to build their business up and find different ways to do that. So did uh, package a lot of loans for the SBA for the Small Business Administration. But I think the best part was just different connections that I got to make uh, with lenders in the state, with small business owners, worked certainly a lot with Chambers of Commerce, Department of Commerce staff at that time. So traveled a lot, learned a lot. Um, and a wonderful experience for me right out of school and kind of gave me an idea too of what I wanted to do long term and that maybe I wanted to be a little more specifically ag focused um, in my day to day job because that was very small business and very finance focused. But a great opportunity, a great group of folks uh, that I got to work with there. A lot of them still work for REI out of Durant and they do um, a lot of wonderful work. Uh, an interesting tidbit for any of our ag listeners, uh, their current uh, CEO there at REI is a familiar face to a lot of folks in the ag sector, Scott DeWald, who used to be at the Cattlemen's Association. So lots of folks know Scott from that time, but now he's down there running REI in southeastern Oklahoma. So obviously you you did that out of college and then you've had many jobs, I would imagine, since then and then the current job as Secretary of Agriculture. I, I'm kind of curious, you look back at that time, you just got out of college, whatever age you were, would fresh out of college Secretary Arthur ever have thought that one day you would be in the position that you hold right now? Oh, gosh, absolutely not. No. Um, <laughs> would you? Have, no. What would she have said? Uh, well, one, I just don't know that at that point in time, as a 20-some-year-old kid, uh, that I was particularly passionate about state government. I mean, that's a lot of the work that we do is just in state government. Certainly cared a lot about ag policy, mm -hmm. but I think I would have thought that that would have been, had I been doing something with ag policy, it might have been more with a commodity group or a farm organization, um, not so much in the government space. So uh, life is funny sometimes on how those paths take you different places. So certainly very appreciative of the opportunity, but would not have um, had that on my 5, 10, 15 year plan uh, at that point in time. Maybe at a later show, we can kind of go through the process and all the different journeys you had or post that first job out of college to get you to where you are now. Because I'm sure uh, there is a, a, a point where you probably, it's the, the, the flip was switched, where you're like, uh, would never think about working in state government to then, yeah, I'm going to do that. And that's something I'd be interested in. Sure. So, yeah, you hmm. bet. 
Well, still to come on the show, I'll ask Secretary Arthur's thoughts on the op- on the upcoming Oklahoma Youth Expo. That'll be later in the show. But first, I'll send it back over to Secretary Arthur for her interview with Jamison McNeil and Kennedy Clark. All right. Well, we're very excited this afternoon uh, to have two very talented young ladies joining us here on the podcast. We've got Jamison McNeil and Kennedy Clark. And I'm going to let you all both uh, kick us off by just telling a little bit uh, about yourself, uh, about what you've kind of done in the ag industry. But Jamison, if you want to start and then Kennedy will jump over to you. Okay. Well, my name is Jamison, like Blaine said, and I've just kind of grown up um, in the agriculture life. Like my family um, just recently sold the stockyards in Bristow um, like last year. Um, so that was my life, and I grew up there. I worked in the back. I worked in the um, cafe. So, And my dad would take me around, and we'd feed cattle all day long. Um, and then my sister and I briefly showed um, sheep. My little sister's currently showing pigs. So it's just kind of been my lifestyle, and I've absolutely loved it. Okay, great. Well, Kennedy, tell us a little bit about your story. So I am from Minko, Oklahoma. It's about 15 minutes south of El Reno. And I like to think that my agricultural story actually started the day I was born because my dad missed my birth while he was attending Arizona National Livestock Show. (laughs) So I just think that's super fun to throw out there. Um, Throughout my time, I've showed pigs and I've judged livestock and I'm continuing my education on a livestock judging scholarship at Redland. So I think that's really neat because that's something my dad and both of my brothers have done. So, yeah. Okay, so are you the youngest then of the siblings? I am the baby. Okay, very good. So tell us, I know you all are both very active in your FFA chapters, and I think both of you all are president of your chapters. So uh, tell us a little bit about, um, I know you talked about showing about your SAEs or about some of the unique projects that you're doing in your chapter, or even just why students should be involved in FFA, why they should want to be a chapter officer. So Kennedy, why don't you start us off? So I think FFA is absolutely a great organization just to kind of prepare you for future life because whether it be through SAEs or just any CDE, you kind of realize that life's not going to work always the way you want it to, whether it be the show animals in your barn or not doing so good at a speech contest. Um, I think it's just a very humbling experience. And I think it gives you just a lot of connections. I know that I met Jameson through FFA, so that was just a super neat experience mm-hmm. to be on this with her. Okay. Yes. And I think, like, doing speeches and getting those connections is great, and it teaches you, you know, public speaking and how to talk to people, um, shake a hand, things like that. And that's just important life skills that even if you don't go into the um, agriculture life or anything like that. That's just important life skills that any person should know. Um, yeah. So tell us about FFA president for the chapter. So what all does that entail? And talk about balancing school activities, academics, if you all are athletes, have been athletes, showing like how do you make all of those things happen and uh, when there aren't enough hours in the day sometimes. Right, yeah. That happens a lot. So actually last week I had a really busy week. I had a powerlifting meet. I had to squeeze in my dance classes. And FFA Day at the Capitol was last week, I believe, yes. And then we had our um, AFR convention that weekend. Um, so it was, it's a lot, honestly, to juggle all the stuff that um, us ag kids do on top of you know feeding cattle, just your daily chores. Um, but Everything that I do is something I truly love, so I'm happy to be busy like that. Kennedy, uh, we mentioned the AFR convention that just wrapped up, and I know you all have a lot of responsibilities there, but tell us a little bit about you both serve on the AFR Youth Council, uh, but tell us about those responsibilities. I know you all have some things during the summer, but then also at convention, uh, the responsibilities or how you all as a team uh, help play a part in that. Yes, so we all got elected in July, and our day-to-day responsibilities usually just, like, maintain advocating for, like, the youth of the AFR because people don't realize that it's not just the farmers that sit in the coffee shop in the morning, that AFR actually has more than insurance, and they have a lot of youth programs. Like you said, our time at convention, we spent working the youth booth, and we did the youth program. 
And then our biggest thing is the Leadership Summit that happens in July. And we have three sessions this year. And it's just where a bunch of kids kind of come together and learn leadership activities and how to advocate for agriculture. So talk a little bit about um, Jamington if you want. I know there's some kids out there that say, okay, that sounds great, but maybe no one from my chapter has done that or I don't, I'm not familiar with it. Kind of talk about how somebody who hears you all talking or has seen pictures on social media and say that looks fun, but I don't know kind of how to navigate into that space, kind of walk through that or just talk about how you decided to participate and be on the youth council. Okay, so this is actually a funny story. Kennedy's giving me the look right now. Um, so to be on the AFR Youth Council, you have to give a speech at um, the camp. And so my speech was actually over being a homebody, being, you know, I want to stay in my room and uh, read a book. You know, I want to stay in my room by myself. Um, but AFR camp is truly the camp that I love. There's um, there's a lot of camps that you can get into um, through FFA, but AFR was my I know people say this a lot, but it really was my home. Like I was excited. That was my summer highlight was going to AFR camp and being with those people. Um, and I just think if you get it, like get a hold of your ag teacher, they, they're going to push you to go too. which um, you can just get those connections, you know? So talk about that for, there's lots of kids who are extroverted um, and lots of kids who are more introverted. And I would say certainly when I was in high school a long time mm -hmm. ago, um, I was more on the introverted side. And even now, uh, you know, it's more comfortable probably to be a little bit introverted. But um, can I just talk about for um, a student that is kind of thinking about doing that, but they may be the only kiddo from Minko that's going to decide to go like Tell about what you, I know you talked about leadership development, but really, you know, how many days it is, kind of what those activities are. Are they going to be the only one that doesn't know anybody there? Kind of talk about that part of it. So I think the biggest thing I can say to answer this question was actually our theme last year is to just jump all in. Like okay. you're never going to be just the only camp, the only time first camper. There's always going to be someone new coming into the situation and it's kind of like when you walk in, you'll see the newer campers. You can just kind of see it on their face. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the council and really all the other members, like, really just take the initiative to just, like, make them feel at home like someone made Jameson feel her sixth grade year. Okay. So camp sessions are about four days long, three nights. The senior session is definitely. And it's really just leadership skills and just meeting people. Like, you just get to hang out and you get to have fun. And it's more than just a leadership camp. You don't sit outside all day and talk about how to be a better leader. Because like most people know, even if you sit at those camps, when as soon as you walk out the door, all of that is going to go straight out the window. <laughs> so it's more about just trying to make an impact on each individual kid and not just the broad spectrum of it. Okay, very good. Jameson, anything you want to add in regards to that or encourage? Uh, so sixth grade through 12th grade then for yeah, camp Yeah, I think ages? it's the summer after your sixth grade year, okay. yeah. Um, Kennedy mentioned earlier that we met through the camp, and um, I truly believe we wouldn't have met without the camp because she was in a whole different show barn. She's in the pig show barn. I'm in the sheep show okay. barn, or was. Um, and we would not have met without the camp, and I wouldn't have met quite a bit of people without the camp because most of the time I wasn't leaving that show barn to go meet people. And the camp is a perfect place to go meet people and make connections. And it's like you're going to meet someone that you may not think is truly going to make an impact on your life, mm -hmm. knowing that in four years, I will have my animal chiropractic roommate down in <laughs> Dallas just from some silly little AFR camp is just truly kind of shows how big of an impact it can make on your connections. Okay, so you've opened the door for us a little bit on the animal <laughs> chiropractic piece. So tell it sounds like you all have a long-term plan going there. So tell us about that. Yes, yeah, so actually last the last weekend we had our AFR convention and um, me, Kennedy, and another girl, Ruby, um, sh we were just talking about our future plans. Um, and Kennedy and I were talking, I'm going to go to OSU and she's going to go to, was it Redlands? Yes, Redlands. Redlands. Yes, Redlands. Um, so we're kind of going to go our separate ways for a little bit there. And then we both said, well, I'm going to be an animal chiropractor. And we were like, well, I'm going to be an animal chiropractor. And I was like, where are you going to school? She said, Dallas. I said, me too. So then we figured out we're going to the same schools. And then I was like, roommates. And she was like, definitely. Okay, that's so uh, you just never ever know. So a couple, I, you'll have to walk us through the path. You've got to do undergrad and then be accepted, mm -hmm. or kind of what does that education piece look like? 
Yes. So you have to become either a veterinarian or a human chiropractor before you can either even obtain your animal's chiropractic license, which um, is a lot. So Kennedy and I are both going to go through the humans, right, Kennedy? Is that Yes. That's your plan? Okay. We're both going to go and get our human's chiropractic license okay. and then go on to get our animal one. So, yes. But you have to go. I think it's in all eight or nine years of schooling. Yeah, it's a lot. It definitely. It's quite a bit. Yeah. Oh, I believe it. So tell, I'm sure some people who maybe um, are not in the midst, it might even be ag folks, but not in the midst of the show side of things, or hopefully we even have some listeners that aren't per se ag people. Mm-hmm. They're going, okay, why do we need a chiropractor for animals? So why don't you all talk about, or why you have an interest in that, or why some people utilize uh, those services? So I know at least... I could count on a lot of hands how many humans get chiropracted. And when you have show animals in your barn or even the dogs in your house, when they're not feeling so well or you may like sustain an injury, when you call a chiropractor and get them in, it really just makes them feel better. So I feel like if humans, if they can do it and knowing how much money and time we spend on animals in our barn and our house, that they should be able to feel good as well. Okay. Yes. And I actually like, I always tell this story, um, when people ask me, like, well, why, why are you gonna like you do chiropractic work on animals? Um, I always just refer back to like breaking halter breaking horses, um, or even cattle. Honestly, like they'll pull back and pull back on that halter, and then they just like do something to their neck, and a chiropractor comes out and crackle pop, and they're back to normal. Okay, so it's just like Lee, as some of you know, is a uh, former athlete. So it's just like athletes, uh, plenty of times, I'm sure, have to be adjusted depending on the sport that they're in. So kind of the animal athletes, I guess, a little bit Mm -hmm. uh, is looking at it that way. Well, let's talk a little bit about, um, you. Um, my guess is through the AFR Youth Council, you all have a, had a chance to interact with lots of folks in the ag space, but maybe some folks not in the ag space. And a big part of what uh, we try to do, certainly from the department's communication perspective, is just share the story of ag here in Oklahoma, share why 4-H and FFA are important, share why youth leadership is important. But talk to us a little bit about what you think the challenges are right now uh, that we have in ag as far as sharing our story or consumers not understanding some of the things that we do in production agriculture and the livestock sector. So I think the biggest thing that all of us as agriculturalists faced is definitely public perception. But that is not, I feel like I have a different standpoint on this. That is not necessarily the person who's saying that. It's not their fault. Like, I feel like sometimes us as agriculturalists need to be better at informing the public on our practices um, because it's truly people don't understand, like the show pigs in our barn or like Jameson, the, the sheep. It's truly, they're not thrown in a barn all day and just left there for months that we spend a lot of time and money and kind of treat them like family and even like production forms of agriculture, I know that definitely pig crates are becoming an issue. So I just think we need to be like more focused on informing more people about that. Okay. Yeah. And some people I don't think realize that these animals in our barns and in our um, pastures are getting treated better than some of the animals in the house, honestly. No, I think there's a, the conversation I think is so important for all of us to have. And I think certainly from a youth perspective, that's great for the general public to hear from you all um, that are in the midst of it and involved in it. Um, so I know you both started and talked a little bit about your backgrounds and that you both come from strong ag backgrounds. But I think one thing great about our youth development programs here in Oklahoma is you don't necessarily have to have an ag background. Uh, So you may have some students in your all's chapter or kids you've interacted with um, through AFR that don't have ag background. So what would you say to, um, you know, a high school, a sixth, seventh, eighth grader that's thinking about maybe uh, getting involved in ag or wanting to show what guidance would you all give to those students? So I actually have the perfect scenario for this. Um, There was a girl from Minko. Her name is Morgan Birchfield, and she was a hardcore all-star cheerleader. She would never think about doing anything different. She was the pink, the frilly, and loved it all. She moved here in third grade, and she started staying out at my house, and she didn't understand quite in the mornings. You got to get up and, like, go feed animals in the morning, 
So her eighth grade year came around and my dad was the agriculture instruction teacher at that time. And he just convinced her. He was like, Morgan, you stay at my house all the time. We're going to put you in the ag program. And then just her being at my house, kind of seeing that she was like, whoa, this is neat. Like, this is something I want to do. And I know for her, she had completely different future plans. She wanted to be an accountant, I believe. And now she's going to go to Oklahoma State on an agribusiness um, major. And she's just all in. Okay, that's a great story. Yeah, I actually have a friend who basically the same story. She was a cheerleader. Um, She had no desire to be any part of the agricultural world, um, but mainly lack of knowing, you know, about it. Um, And now she's like... Got her own little garden in the backyard. I convinced her to get an ag in eighth grade, just like that. And now she's got a little garden in the back that she grows her own, like, like produce. And it's amazing to see that, like her, her doing that all on her own. Like I didn't say, you know, go get a, go do your gardening and all that. She did that on her own through agriculture. Um, but all it took was a little encouragement. So talk about to you. You mentioned the produce side of things. I think a lot of times people think about the showing part of 4-H or mm-hmm. FFA, because that's a very visible part about it. But both of you share about all the different opportunities that there are for kids who choose to be involved in ag, and it's not some kids don't show at all, and that's okay. So talk mm-hmm. about all the different opportunities um, that exist for students. So I mentioned earlier that I don't show sheep anymore, but I'm still very busy um, in the FFA world and agriculture world. Um, so it's definitely not all about showing, and Kennedy knows that too. Um, you can give speeches, you can judge land, um, you can livestock judge, grade, all that, and all of it is really helpful for the like future. And there's even like quiz bowl. There's some people that couldn't be me, but they just they're really good at taking tests, and they just love learning new information. So there's all forms of quiz bowl. I think there's freshmen and there's okay. animal science. And there's even vet science programs, so people who want to maybe thinking about become a vet, they can go do that. But there's really a vast amount of opportunities. So yeah. tell us about, think about a time, an ex, a unique story or a memorable story through um, showing or through AFR Youth Council that is a, um, a positive one or that you all feel like is, has made um you know, changed your path for the future or just a distinct memory from your time spent in the ag program uh, that has helped? Um, or it could be a story maybe when something didn't go well. Do you know what I mean? That sometimes we learn more from when the show doesn't go like we want it to as well. So to share us a, a unique, a personal story uh, from that side. So um, I, my dad actually forced me literally forced me to say a speech my sophomore year and I I didn't go to any jackpots I just went straight to the region and I had the shaky legs I was sweaty (laughs) I was crying and I was just so mad I was just destined I was going to move out of my house at 15 years old (laughs) and I went into the speech room and it turns out after the awards were called I had actually qualified for area and I was just like oh my gosh I've got this like my mood just completely flipped and it was all happiness and plaques. And then I went to area and I was not ready. I got absolutely destroyed. And then I set a goal that night. The next year I was like, I'm going to state. And I did. So just having that piece of failure really pushed me to go So further. for those who aren't super familiar with the prepared speaking side of things, and you said, you know, you did well, but then weren't as prepared. Talk about what students, how that process looks like and what kids do to get ready for speech contests and how competitive they are here in Oklahoma? So it's definitely a lot of work. It starts out with a lot of research and a lot of people don't find that fun. I know I didn't. (laughs) And then writing the speech, which is also kind of difficult because it can't just be all facts. You have to add the fun and the frill and kind of fluff it up a bit. And then memorizing a six-page paper or a speech, it's not easy. It takes weeks, months, because some people, like, they just can't memorize, and I was one of those people, and it took forever. But then after that, you just keep practicing, and you just keep going. Like, you'll find yourself saying a speech about giving cattle seaweed in the shower. It's just, it just happens like that. (laughs) So now, are you doing any prepared public speaking this spring, or... 
I will compete in some prepared public speaking. Okay. Now there's also, for those students that maybe don't want to do the prepared side, there's also the extemp side. So, share, or Jameson, you want to talk about the extemp side of public speaking? Um, yes. So, actually, I am not, I'm definitely one of those kids who's not the best at memorizing. Okay. And so, my, um, my eye teacher was like, how about we try extemp and how about we see where that takes you? Um, and so I kind of knew a little bit about it from a previous kid who did extempt in, um, at Bristow. And I was like, well, okay, here we go. And, um, I actually loved it. I didn't have to prepare anything. And I thought that was great. I just had to go in there with some notes and do a little research and then go in there and give a speech. And I absolutely loved it. So talk about that process. Are you, do you pick from several different topics or how, when you're there, how does that uh, mm-hmm. play out at the actual contest? So um, you're allowed to have, I believe, um, your book with um, previous notes and um, like research papers. Right. So you'll go in there and you'll um, pick a topic um, out of this like fishbowl. Okay. Um, and then you have um, 10 minutes of research time and then five minutes i believe of preparing and then you go in there okay and you give that speech okay so are we doing any extent public speaking this spring the senior year um there's a big possibility okay <laughs> cooper but, and titus our fellow youth advisory oh, council yeah. on afr they actually pushed for the afr speech contest to have an extemporaneous mm-hmm. divisions because we haven't had one of those in the past okay great so that's that's a great lead-in that that's a contest i know lots and lots of students participate in and i think it is even some younger ages so talk a little bit about the afr speech contest i think usually in the fall into the mm-hmm. winter time so tell the audience about that and um who participates and how that all works so the speak the speech contest is broke up into divisions around the, or areas around the state. I believe there's five, I would say. Um, I think you can, I think extemporaneous is only the high school. Okay. So that would be nine to 12. Mm-hmm. And then you just have to qualify. I believe you had to be in the top two mm-hmm. at your region or area to qualify for state. And state was in December, I believe. Yeah. And they have like, they, um, they're like, they allow the 4-H'ers, yes. so the itty-bitties, okay. and they actually had one of the kids speak at our AFR convention, and that was really cool to watch. Like, I was taking notes from this little 4-H'er. Okay, she spoke, great. She spoke fabulous. She, it was she really absolutely cool. rocked it. It she was did. insane. <laughs> so, for those younger kiddos, too, that maybe aren't mm-hmm. old enough to do the FFA side of speaking, then they've got that chance at the AFR contest um, mm-hmm. in the fall and into the winter. I think, and I think that's so great for them. Like, go ahead and get started on, you know, your speech career. I want to say she was in like second to third grade. She was and little. Oh, that's she great. got. She up. wasn't scared at all. She didn't have shaky hands that I mean I could see, and she did great. <laughs> and she got up in front of because she spoke at convention on the stage okay. in mm-hmm. front of hundreds of people and didn't even know stutters. It was just great. rocked it. Well, I know it's something that we certainly hear um, from businesses or just uh, folks that we interact with that are not in the ag world that uh, so the majority of our 4-H and FFA kids are excellent public speak or just excellent at speaking um, you mm-hmm. know and can communicate well and that's something that we're losing a little bit of uh, with technology mm-hmm. over time so even if kids don't have uh, the ag interest initially I think it's a great way for them just to have some great skills that they can use no matter the yeah. path that they decide to pursue. Exactly. Yeah. And I talked about I talked about that at the beginning, you know, just even if you don't pursue um, ag life, you still have those great life skills like speaking to people and public speaking. Certainly when we do, we have lots of folks that we get to work with here at the Department of Ag, but uh, anyone who has a um, 4-H or FFA background, um, it's always a plus for the majority mm-hmm. of the jobs that we have here just because we know they bring those skills or, you know, Kennedy, to your point of they've had to get up and feed every morning and we'll, you know, make sure that the job gets done, stay late, show up early. Um, and those almost all businesses are looking for people with those skill sets and those talents. So I know, Jameson, you mentioned your ag teacher, and Kennedy, your mm-hmm. dad used to be the ag teacher, I think, there at Minko. So 
Uh, tell us a little bit um, about how important a part of the FFA experience the ag teacher is. Uh, we're at a shortage currently of ag teachers here in the state of Oklahoma. We've got uh, plenty of uh, spots where they might like to expand their program or even start a new program. But talk about why ag teachers are important or uh, why uh, people should go get their ag ed degree and decide to be an ag teacher. Um, I know for just my personal life, my ag teacher um, has helped me tremendously. Okay. Just like my ag teacher has pushed me just as much as my own mother has. And I think that's just like great. And it's not just ag stuff. It's, you know, get your homework done, just life stuff. And I just, that's so helpful. And um, a lot of kids that I'm, I've talked to, their ag teacher is um, a big role model in their life. And I know mine is definitely a big role model in my life. Yes, so Mr. Stelzig, my new ag teacher, came in my junior year, and that was obviously a tremendous switch from having my dad, but he does such an amazing job. I could honestly say that I would have never gave, like, continued to go to state in speaking if he wouldn't have been there to push me, but also the different perspective of being an ag teacher's daughter, their job's tough. For sure. It's yeah, very, for sure. mm -hmm. very tough, and I feel like Sometimes you, they just get told they're never really doing the right, the right thing. And I think ag teachers truly have a heart bigger than anybody else to oh, do yeah. the job. No, they do. I would agree. I think sometimes the hardest uh, part for the ag teacher is dealing with the parents. Not always the kids, oh. but sometimes the ag, parents. Ag parents or something <laughs> <No>. else. <laughs> Well, tell us um, if you all could think, uh, you've talked some about your future plans, but if you were able to uh, tell, uh, you know, yourself five years ago or even 10 years ago, if you were able to, you know, go back in time and send yourself a message, what uh, words of advice would you give to your younger self um, about uh, your future? So right now, as I'm in my senior season of showing livestock, something I wish I could tell five, year, five years ago, Kennedy, is to truly okay. soak it up. Soak up all the mornings in the barn. And another big thing is to thank the people. There's truly so many mm -hmm. people that it takes to get a kid to a ring or get show pigs in a kid's barn. And I feel like sometimes when you're living in the moment and you know, well, I have five years left, I have three years left, you don't really take time to thank your okay. people. And I would just tell her, thank those people behind oh, that's you. That's great advice. Yeah. yeah, I would I would probably tell um, little Jameson to not procrastinate <laughs> and get your stuff done. Get up. Um, and to just, yeah, take in those mornings in the barn with my older sister. She's now in Missouri. And sometimes I wish I could just be up at 6 a.m. at the barn with her, you know, feeding those feeding those sheep. I think it hits us now that, like, we literally have three months left that you can't get it back. No, Like, yeah, once it's done, it's done. It's done. Mm -hmm. No, it, it goes quickly. It seems like you have all this time, uh, but then it certainly goes yes. quickly. And um, I, I assume, Kennedy, you're gearing up. I uh, had county this week, county show this week, I think, but then gearing up for OIE here in a few weeks? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so we have some showing gilt sparrows both. I have both in the barn right now. Okay. But got some big things left to accomplish, I hope. Okay. It's a high stress and and certainly you both know that, but talk and I think we're gonna talk a little bit um about that a little later on. But talk about um the time and effort and sometimes the stress. Like this point where today is March first and kind of the stress that students and families and ag teachers and 4-H educators are all going through as we are kind of counting down the days till the show starts? So it's truly insane. It's just, <laughs> you just never feel like you have enough time. And I actually saw a Facebook post this morning on like the OKFFA gear and it's like OIEs in 12 days. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's still October. <laughs> right. These people are crazy. <laughs> But it's definitely that it just goes by really fast and you have to really, you have to keep your head on straight. You can't, you got to stay focused on what you started out to do in September or at least with the pigs you get yeah. in September. You just got to kind of keep focused and realize that from September to March, like you can't, you can't stray off. It truly takes every single day to get to March. Yep, absolutely. 
Yeah, and I don't even have my own personal animals in the show barn. I just have my little yes. sisters, you know. Um, but even then, helping her and seeing all the things we've got to do, it just takes me back <laughs> to those days of stressing <laughs> out right before OIE. It just feels like there's never enough time in the day, no. especially to do all that we already do already and then know, well, you're getting home at 5 o'clock, but you still got to go walk, wash, mm-hmm. and do all the Load things. that trailer, all that yes, stuff. Yes, the barn the is always waiting, right? That's at our yes. house. The yeah. barn is always waiting, no matter what <laughs> time of day uh, that it is. So, Oh, yeah. Well, we're, we're getting towards the end of our time here, but anything else that uh, you all want to share with the listeners or if you all have a question for each other or anything as we kind of wrap up here that we haven't touched on or haven't covered that you would want to share? Well, if you would have told uh, Jameson five years ago that she would be doing a podcast with Secretary Blaine Arthur, she probably would have fainted. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, me too. Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yep. And if you would have told Jameson five years ago that she was going to be on the AFR Youth Council, she probably would have fainted as well. Okay. So, but that's great encouragement. Do yeah. you know, I mean, I think you've got to uh, just, you know, set those goals high and you can, I, I would have not thought at this point or this season in my life, I would have the chance to be working in this capacity. So you just never know uh, where that path's going to kind of lead you. I just think that I want to leave everybody with, if God puts something on your heart, do it. Because I know oh, yeah. Jameson, we were talking about our junior year We knew that AFR Council was on our heart, but when they were talking about speeches and interviews, we were like, well, maybe God lied to us this time and (laughs) did not put this on our heart. That's right. So I think that's just something, if it's there, then chase it. Mm -hmm. I think that's wonderful, wonderful advice. And certainly uh, faith is a huge part of all of our lives in the ag industry and uh, helps get through uh, the tough days and the bumps in the road and helps us keep headed the right direction. So Certainly are so appreciative that you all made time to come and join us here on the podcast. Again, we've got Jameson McNeil, the Bristow FFA president, um, and Kennedy Clark, the Minko FFA president, but also uh, leaders and members of the AFR Youth Council. So ladies, thank you for joining us this afternoon, um, and we look forward to watching your continued success through your senior year and on into your college years as well. Well, thanks for having us, Blaine. Yes, thank you. You bet. All right, Lee Benson back here. Jameson and Kennedy have departed alongside Secretary Blaine Arthur. And I I was going to ask you, Secretary Arthur, what are your biggest takeaways from that chat with Jameson and Kennedy? You know, I think I was great to hear from uh, the young ladies and about the AFR Youth Council and just how they both kind of said, well, we didn't really know uh, that we could do the speech and be a part and kind of meet all the criteria to be part of the council. But they both persevered and um, and you can tell uh, what a big impact it has on them and the friendships that they've built and then the chance they've had to interact with other uh, young adults through that program. So just great to see the friendship that they developed uh, through that where they might not have crossed paths otherwise. I did want to hit on a couple of parts of the interview that stood out to me and both of them it sounded like at some times in life already being in high school I thought it was interesting that it sounds like they've converted non-ag people into potential ag people so uh, Kennedy told the story about uh, how her uh, it sounded like her dad and her helped convert a future potential accountant into an agribusiness major, right. which I suppose she could still be an accountant at some point For later. Sure. But sure. uh, that was interesting. And then Jameson had the story about how she convinced somebody or helped somebody realize that maybe they want to be into produce and be a gardener. So I think that's kind of a, a cool skill to have that they're so passionate about what they do that they're able to. I guess, share that with other people and other people realize it as well. And now who knows what, uh, you know, those lives will be like that they've kind of, con- uh, converted is not the right word, but now they have some ag in their life and yes. that could take them in maybe a different direction. No, I, I thought that was really great to hear those stories. And to your point, um, these are young adults, do you know, that, that are seeing uh, either someone that's a friend that they interact with and encouraging them to kind of open a door that they might not have opened otherwise to the ag building and uh, some really positive results from that. And two, uh, you're very potentially ex- uh, exposing then that uh, kiddo's family to the ag program or other siblings to, you know, that can kind of uh, snowball in a really good way as well. The speaking aspect of, of ag is something that I had no idea about. I, I mentioned before on the show, I, I don't have an ag background, so I, this whole culture is somewhat new to me, and I had no idea that growing up in the ag world, a big part of it is 
learning how to public speak. And so right. I think it's interesting when I hear these kids talk about that. And so Kennedy's story about how her dad just made her go out there and talk, <laughs> right. which I'm sure at the time she was thinking, what are you doing to me, dad? You can't. And I'm sure her dad knew exactly what he was doing. And it sounded like it was a, a positive experience because maybe it was one of those situations where she kind of said this, but her dad probably saw something in her and knew For that sure. she just needed to do it. And maybe she'll fail, maybe she won't, but he had confidence in her and she did really well. But then when she made it to the next level, she realized, oh, I'm, I'm not good enough now. And then that she used that to get motivated on for the future, which is, I think we've kind of talked about that already on this podcast, just these, these instances where these kids fail, but they don't let it take, take them over. They actually use it as fuel, I think is really important. I think on the other side, Jamison talked about how her speech uh, extempt speech, I guess, yes. extemporaneous yeah. speech. I was, yeah. I was in my head. I was trying to decide what, what is that? Oh, okay. That makes sense. Extemporaneous. And so a different style. Uh, so I had no idea about all of this speech in the ag world. And so I like hearing those stories uh, about success and failure. And it's such a credible skill to have because I'd like to think that I'm, I'm an okay public speaker. I mean, I'm certainly a lot better than I used to be, but when I was in high school, there's no way I was anywhere near as good as these kids are. And so I th it's really impressive to me to see that. You know, the kids amaze me every time I hear, um, you know, if it's 4-H kids or FFA kids speaking. And to your point, it's just that ability to communicate is a very valued skill, no matter the career path that you choose, because so many of us, and I think you and I are just as guilty, we communicate through our phones a lot because of technology, and that's what we do. And I think uh, it's the speech part may now be more important than ever, because a lot of kids don't want to look somebody in the eye and communicate a message and be able to respond and answer to questions. So it's, it's I think, a wonderful uh, skill, but then... I mean, the, the research that these kids do and how um, much of an expert they become on their speech topic is pretty incredible. Is it really true? I, 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 it is, but when, when Kennedy said that she has to mem or had to memorize a six-page speech, that I mean, I used to work in the television world, and I would do live shots and live hits. And granted, we wouldn't have to do uh, a, that long of a, a, let's say, a live hit where we have to memorize right. that many words. The longest it would be is maybe a, a minute or two. I can't imagine, though, a, a six-page speech. I, the most I've probably had to to memorize is, you know, you give it like a wedding toast, you know, you want to yes, make sure that you yeah. get that. And yeah. that, but that's certainly not quite six pages. So that was really impressive. And uh, now it makes me think, Hmm, I, I, I need some, I got to do some work to try to see if I can at least maybe even memorize a, a one page speech at some point. Well, so that, they're usually, yeah. they're six to eight minutes. So it's, uh, it's a, Ooh. it's a, it's a good amount for them, but they, they start typically in the fall and work through. And, um, it is impressive that they can get up there and keep all those pieces. It is a lot. There's no question. It's a lot to just some memorization, but then the presentation and answering questions. So it's the kids put a lot of effort into being successful. And a couple more things. I, another part of the ag culture, that I, I didn't quite understand, you know, how many things are on these kids' schedules. And you know, I grew up my whole high school and before high school life. I just played sports. That's all I did. That was right. my extracurricular activity. And yeah, I put a lot of time into it. But on top of it, there's these these ad kids that do all this stuff. And on top of it, they're, they'll do extracurriculars. Like Jameson talked about how she had a powerlifting meet <laughs> and you know dance classes, and then throwing in all the FFA stuff. So I, it's another part where it's like, how do these kids have time to do everything? And so I like to just acknowledge that again. I, for somebody that's outside of the ag world, I think it's really impressive that that these high school kids can balance their time the way they, they can. I know for you growing up, it's probably just second nature. But again, for somebody on the outside, I still think that's super impressive. It, it is. And I think helps them become very well-rounded adults because they learn how to schedule themselves and uh, not procrastinate. Although Jameson said she maybe was uh, getting she was acknowledged it. Not, she know, yeah. not to do that. But it is. It's a kind of a juggling act sometimes. So I think a lot of the ag kids get a little bit of a leg up maybe on their yeah. uh, peers uh, that are headed, you know, to, into school and into the workforce because they've just kind of that's what they do. And it's a, they're pretty comfortable with it. And the last thing on your conversation with Jameson and Kennedy was when you were talking about college with them and how they are going to go to different schools, but then they both want to be animal chiropractors, which I just learned that that existed today right. talking to you all. And so, and you kind of hit on it. And I think Jameson hit on it a little bit with, with animals and like athletes, you know, athletes could get adjusted and whatnot. So in my mind, I'm picturing like a racehorse getting yes. adjusted 
but like you know, I've seen on YouTube and stuff people getting adjusted. So it just makes me laugh. I think of like a a horse on its. I can't imagine you put a horse on its back, obviously, but just the f- picture of that in my head and like a, some chiropractor moving the neck around sounds like really funny to me. There, it is. It is interesting. <laughs> I would say, oh gosh, maybe the last ten years or so, it's really I think become more popular. Um, but there's lots of people who feel like it makes a huge difference in um, just how their animals feel and how they compete. And um, they're they as as both of the young ladies mentioned, uh, they provide this ultimate care to these show projects and um, they're just always trying to find uh, another way to make sure that they're happy and healthy and competitive as possible all right well and that's really cool that they're gonna go their separate ways but then it sounds like as of now they're gonna meet up again in in school i know which is a fun story we'll have to hopefully down the road we'll get to um, see all of that come to fruition well before we wrap up this episode i did want to see if you had any early thoughts on the Oklahoma Youth Expo, OYE, uh, which gets going. I know you all talked about it a little bit towards the end of your your interview, but that gets going here in a little more than a week as we record this here. Uh, it gets going on Sunday, March the 10th. That's when the barns will open up for move-in. So just your thoughts on OYE, because that by the time we do our next episode, it'll be in full swing. Yep. You know, something that uh, students from all 77 counties participate in. They'll be here in Oklahoma City for uh, several days, and the wonderful staff at the OIE, I think I've had the chance to go to lots of events across the United States, and I feel like we have one of the best, if not the very best. Um, It's the largest youth livestock show in the world, Uh, but those kids will come with their hogs and their sheep and their goats and their cattle, and it's for so many of them, and we certainly have lots of ag students that participate in athletics, but for so many of them, this is kind of their state championship. You know, they've been putting in all the time and energy and effort to come and compete, and the really great thing about OIE, we really a lot of times lean into the livestock side of it, but there are other competitions as well. Um, there's a skillathon that happens at OIE, and you don't have to participate um, in the livestock show to be a part of the skillathon competition. And that's kind of an ag knowledge test and uh, curriculum piece. And then they're awarded scholarships through that. Uh, but then also the ag mechanics contest has gotten very competitive and tons of um, exceptional participation over the past few years. And I'm amazed at talking to those students about, you know, what they're building, everything from trailers to working shoots to unit, you know, a deer blind. And they've been putting in the time and effort uh, back at home to come and uh, compete at that level. So just truly an opportunity for students um, kind of uh, that have any interest uh, to have some place to compete. And I think the thing we're very proud of here in Oklahoma is the scholarships that are awarded and the premiums that are awarded to those students. Uh, turns out being millions of dollars to help those kids pursue their education. And, um, and we just feel like we're growing really good kids through that program. Wonderful, wonderful support uh, from the commodity groups, uh, from the ag community and in general, but always want to mention how supportive the state legislature has been of the Oklahoma Youth Expo and making it into the event that it is. And, um, you know, I think the the one piece that so many of us know, but I think is really important to mention is Mr. Funk uh, from the Express side and then Mr. Jimmy Harrell with the Bank of Western Oklahoma really kind of revitalized OIE to make it into OIE. Uh, it was it was just used to uh, it I'm so oldly that I didn't get to show at OIE it was not called OIE when I showed so um, but they've done an exceptional job to really build it into the top tier event that we're so proud to host in Oklahoma and of course you'll be in and out for many times at the state fair when that's going on and then uh me personally, I had a good time. First time experiencing the legislative showmanship last year. Oh, yes. And so that'll be happening again this year. And I, I know that you have a lot of fun doing that as well. So that'll be something to look forward to as well. And th- the fact that I have experience with it now, I kind of had now, going into it last year, I was like, what is this going to be? And, right. and I, I, I told you at, afterwards that as you were emceeing it and doing play by play, if it wasn't for your commentary, I, it would just would have been. I don't know, even more of a circus than it already was, because which 
I'm thinking more of the uh, the swine. Those those pigs are right. they get it's, after it. It's kind of managed yeah. chaos a little bit, but it's we impressive. love. Yeah. We have exceptional participation from our legislators uh, for that event, and I think there's nothing better than those 4-H and FFA exhibitors kind of giving the tutorials and yeah. giving guide, and they're very serious and want to make sure their legislator is as prepared as possible and does as good a job. So that's I think for many of us one of our favorite events that we get to be a part of at the OYE. All right, before we get out of here, uh, at the end of the show, we've tried to throw in some random ag facts. And so I, I did want to not let some hard work by uh, Troy Marshall, who is our director of the National Agriculture Statistics Service here in Oklahoma. He, he sent me a whole list of uh, statistics from the ag census that recently came out. We talked about it a little bit on the last episode. So I just wanted to go through a couple of these stats, throw them at you, Secretary Arthur. And Troy emailed me and said, well, I just we talked about this and I had some time to sit down and go through the rankings of Oklahoma nationally. And the short answer to all your questions is that usually the answer is fourth. So what that means <laughs> is that Oklahoma, and I'm going to go down the list of what Troy sent me, says Oklahoma has the fourth most farms with a female operator on them. That's 45,000 or so farms. Uh, fourth most female producers in the United States. Oklahoma has the fourth most farms with a producer with military service. It's a little over 11,000 farms. Uh, fourth most producers with military service. Uh, fourth most farms with a beginning producer. So that's... Uh, that's a great one. Yeah, and, and as we... Uh, try to get people more and more into agriculture. And, and as I know that uh, a lot of the producers out there are getting up there in age. And so it's important that the young uh, producers get going and there's you know, fourth in the nations is really good for Oklahoma. And then finally, uh, okay, the fourth most beginning producer. So Oklahoma is doing a nice job of, of getting the youth out there, the younger people that continue to farm and, and hopefully they will continue. And then that will lead to, you know, even younger people getting into it. For sure. No, that's great. The data that Troy and his team put together is incredibly valuable and I think always paints a really positive picture of the great things we have going on here. And, you know, the governor pushes us to be top 10, uh, but for all the items that you mentioned, we're top five in the nation, which I think is something that we're very proud of. And um, some pieces that I think might surprise people that I encourage everybody to look through the data that Troy and his team put together. And um, it's it makes a big difference in uh, decisions that they can make on their operation. It's a big part of USDA programs that are so important to all of us in Oklahoma, but um, we can say we can pivot that to a top five. Lee, we're not just top 10, but yes. we're top five in all of those areas. All right, everyone. Well, thank you for joining us on this edition of Young Ag Achievers. Of course, we invite you to join us for future episodes when we talk to more of Oklahoma agriculture's Young Ag Achievers. For Secretary Arthur, I am Lee Benson. Thank you for listening.